Hi guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Friday edition, and listen, Jake's not alone for your Friday edition. I'm pretty pumped to have John back because when Jake goes on solo Friday, the amount of DMs I get about this, I'm telling you, it's uh, you guys like to to have some other random conversation that John and I provide. We're going to have John join the show in just a minute. As I have been doing, I'm going to talk to you guys about players that are on the, sorry, not players, articles that we have up at the OBR. I think there's some fantastic things that were put up today. Okay. Uh, outside of our usual daily newswire, we had Fred Greetham write about some quotes from Amari Cooper, who's in for OTAs here, or offseason program, about how Amari's not worried about playing in an offense with an explosive running game because he's been in that before. He's been in that dates back to Alabama. So check that out. Some good quotes from Amari Cooper in there. Brown's draft age and athletic draft board with 308 players from Jack Duffin made it free. Probably shouldn't have, but Jack, Jack did fantastic work on this. A ton of cross-checking all of the guardrails. The Browns have used that we know of with Andrew Barry and have recently back to Sashi Brown because of Andrew Barry's existence in that front office, 308 players who fit. Does that mean it's going to go according to that list? No, but these are the guys that fit these specific things the Browns are looking for. It's a lot of work and it's really, really nicely done. You should check that out. Well worth your time to have around come the first round and into the second round to look at players that the Browns could ultimately take. And then Andrew Spade wrote up a fantastic piece on everything you need to know about the Browns, significant upgrades to their training and recovery facilities, because we all know the Browns have been terrible with soft tissue injuries dating back several years. They, they need to get better in this regard. And these training uh, facility upgrades will really, really help. Everything is detailed for you there. Before we bring John on, 20 prospects in 20 days touched on Nick Cross. Okay, you should check out this article. Again, Nick Cross is a guy, if we talk about the earlier um, in the week, we talked about the six prospects who perfectly fit the Browns. Nick Cross is up there, as high up there as it can get. This guy's 20 years old. I mean, it's crazy to be 20, just a shade over 20 and a half. He won't turn even 21 until September 10th. Six foot two twelve junior had all the big offers coming out of college, went to Florida State initially with a commitment, backed out because of all the tumultuous stuff going on at Florida State. He probably made a good choice, decided to stay in Maryland at, at, at Maryland University. Obviously, he was out of DeMatha Catholic. We know how great that, that high school is. He was a three-time honorable mention all Big Ten player. He played early. I think the earliest conceivably you could see him go Pick 44, the latest is 99, and I think he's going to go before 78, personally. It's just too rare to see a guy with good tape, not perfect tape, but good tape, good enough tape, have a 9.87 RAS score, be 20 and a half years old at draft day, a 4.3440 paired with a 37 vertical and over 10 foot broad. It's insane. It's, it's, really, it's really insane. There's not many people that even compare to this guy. So this is what they uh, said at Sports Info Solutions. Cross projects best. They're they're a little lower on, significantly lower on him. Sports Info Solutions stuff is a little all over the board. He's a. They say he's a backup free safety in a too high scheme where he can be rangy on the back end, but also allowed to roll down and man up tight ends and slim slot receivers. Also can play with some traits uh, with his uh, portfolio here to play some strong safety, allowing him the versatility to interchangeably play both positions. He has the speed and tackling ability to play on all three downs. Speed toughness. Tracking ability will allow him to play as a productive member of an all special teams core, um, but but they don't project him as highly as Dane does. Dane has him at the eight, as the 84th ranked prospect, seventh at the position, three year starter at Maryland. Crosses a boundary safety and former defensive coordinator Brian Stewart's scheme. Saw snaps in the post slot, box, and single high. 
led the Terrapins in interceptions each of his three seasons on campus. So he produced with ball, uh, you know, ball production then while there. Cross has above average speed range. I mean, above average speed is you know, he can move. Closing burst along with a violent. He plays with violence to stroke the ball from, from carriers in the alley across the middle of the field. Coverage awareness is on the rise, but his decision-making and discipline can be inconsistent, especially in man. Dane closes with overall crosses an inconsistent risk taker and teams will have to live up, live with the ups and downs as he grows, but he has explosive uh, speed, downhill toughness that can come in an NFL starter kit. He's a scheme versatile player with NFL starting potential from various alignments. Then again, you're getting a guy who's 20. The development is just starting. I mean, you coach this guy up. This is the draw. This is why you pick guys who are young and crosses even an outlier for young. Again, Denzel Ward turned 21 the day of the draft, and we consider Denzel Ward to be super young. This is a very young player with a really athletic profile who can keep getting better. Plenty of highlights to check out on Nick Cross on the website. Go there, check that out today. Five minutes deep, and I haven't brought in John yet. John, I'm sorry, buddy. We're going to bring you in now. Had to talk about a couple things on the website. Nick Cross, a fun player. I'm going to get your players that you're really interested in the Browns getting in just a minute, but uh, we'll do. We'll talk about some more fun stuff first. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing, Jake? I'm okay. A lot of draft stuff. We're a week out, going to Vegas for the draft next week. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of prep on my end to get ready for that with with child and pregnant pregnant mother here. So <laughs> going to need some extra some extra thoughts and prayers from those of you listening to this out here. But we'll make it. We'll make it, brother. Um, listen, we we had a conversation you and I did about off off air a little bit and during the day about going to movies. I took my son the first time I've taken my son to a movie. And we went and saw the bad guys, which was a DreamWorks movie. Pretty, pretty cute little movie. I mean, fine, like some stuff way over little, little kids heads, but pretty good overall. Feel good moments in there. B, B minus. But I want to hear about this Nicolas Cage movie. I mean, it's getting rave reviews. (laughs) And I've always been like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not out on Nicolas Cage the way some people are, man. I, I think he's coming around to being in on the joke, right? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah then this if this movie doesn't say he's in on the joke i think that's um <clears throat> then i don't think he'd been paying attention like even just the title alone starts to clue you in on it you know the unbearable weight of massive talent and uh he's absolutely making fun of himself this whole movie so it was just um i'm I, you know m- me and my brothers are all big uh nick cage fans which is all it's and it is kind of like half joke half not you know, you got to really enjoy Nick Cage's quirkiness. And this was just the perfect movie for it. It's been a long time, I think, since I saw one this good. But uh, I mean, I even it was like uh, a, a rare event where, you know, I got a lot of brothers, but five specifically that I'm uh, I'm pretty close with. But usually it's only two, three of us getting together at any one time. This what what brought all five of us together, Nick Cage. So <laughs> we, we we go into this movie and um, it just starts off like immediately banging. I mean, he's just goes right into one of the classic Nick Cage kind of monologue type things and um, walking into the movie. I'm like, oh, God, this is this is going to be everything we wanted it to be. And uh, we were we all laugh extremely hard. My wife loved it. Um, all the brothers loved it. And uh, it was just a and, it, you know, for a Thursday night, we don't, you know, as parents, you know two kids you don't go and do anything on a thursday night normally and you know you start about off like even just a little bit of it in a slog just uh do i really want to be you know out here till 10 o'clock or whatever but it was great man i mean it was really really funny yeah it's up on my list of, of movies to watch if i can get some time to sneak away and go see it 
Pedro Pascal, really good, obviously, too. How, how's oh, he do? Is he oh, solid? awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the comments uh, my brother Mike made, um, you know, when we went out uh, afterwards just to grab a quick drink. And, um, you know, he was like, oh, man, you know, like he can't undersell him on that. And then we started bringing up, I don't know how I blanked on this, but, uh, you know, my wife was like, where do we know that guy from? And, the first thing that pops into my head somehow, which is totally ridiculous because we went around the table and he's been in like 50 things that I watched, even super recently, Mandalorian, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, but I came up like Marco Polo was what like mm. came to mind. But I mean, the dude was the Viper in <laughs> Game of Thrones, you know, yeah. he's the Mandalorian. He's, you know, he's, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's in Narcos too. Narcos, Narcos was really good. Right. For sure. Yeah, all these were the ones that were mentioned as we ran out on the table, but it kind of smacked me like a ton of bricks. He was he was fantastic in it. So, Cage, like, I have a take. Okay, I I don't think like Nicholas Cage. I think he's talented. I think he's pretty damn talented. I think largely the issue with Cage has been the roles he's selected. Like when he does some serious movies, what was the one that came out last year? Some people thought he was, was it Pig. I think it was that thought would get like yeah, get him in a, a nominated. Yeah. When he does some serious stuff, I think he's pretty, not that this movie was altogether too serious, the tone of it, but like he's, you know, I, I think Nick Cage has gone so far. I have a theory about this where, you know, I, I don't have this theory. I've heard the theory. I can't remember who I heard it from. It's probably Simmons. Cause that was the only podcast I listened to growing up. I think it fits like he's somebody can be so underrated that they're overrated. Right. Where people are like, that guy's so underrated. It's like, well, maybe he's kind of like properly rated, you know, he kind of start to overrate people. But you can also underrate people like they can be so underrated that they're actually, you know what I mean? They're so sorry. So overrated like Cage. that It's actually kind of underrated. He can make really good movies. It's largely been about some of the choices he's made. Right. I don't know. That's how I think no, you're a Cage I, fan. I mean, I agree, but I also just like I enjoy like. I, I enjoy his crazy shtick, you know, like so uh, I don't know if you ever seen like there's there was a YouTube video Um you know, this cat has got to be 10 years old now, maybe even more. It's uh, if you, if you want to Google it, it's uh, Nick Cage loses his shit. <laughs> it's just 10 minutes of scenes from movies of Nick Cage losing his shit. And it is, it is high quality <laughs> comedy. I know what I'm watching so, tonight. Then. <laughs> yeah. Maybe write it down spot. guys. Go and look up that video. If you want to see something funny now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I just don't, yeah, he's made some poor choices and he's in some wacky shit, but like Nick, he's unique is what I would say. Like, there's no you're not going to compare somebody to Nick Cage to me and have me agree with you. Like Nick Cage is Nick Cage and I don't really think other actors are, you know, relate to him. I wouldn't I wouldn't have some Nick Cage group of actors if, if I was doing like some kind of personality graph or whatever. Yeah, so. I, I think I think you can. I think that's spot on. I think you can like have a bunch of different actors who, who are kind of in the same group, but cage cages uniquely enough in his own group. I love it. So good stuff. Wanted to talk about that big news this week. It's been a couple weeks since you and I have talked. And I think the last time we got together, we kind of had discussed that hypothetical Denzel Ward trade, but they went out and gave him a whale of a contract since then. What's your immediate reaction to that? I'd like to know. Well, you know, that 20 Mark was, you know, I think really kind of like the line of where, um, it's it's pretty damn tough for me to say that's a bad deal. And I think that given where the salary cap's going, uh, given his age, given um, where, you know, we expect 
things to go in the next year. I don't think it's going to take more than a year or two for that to look like a deal. I think three out of those five years, that's going to be a steal of a deal if he stays healthy. Um, I do think that, like we said in the trade one, I you know, hey, it it creates you know roster management um, uh, challenges is I think the right word, and AB is the right guy for the job, and I'm sure that you know everybody's you know in that building is doing you know at a minimum two to three year plans with with regards to how they're working the salary cap, and that'll include cap projections. Uh, projections for certain positions, a look at, you know, where, um, you know, what positions have top young guys that are about to get um, paid, um, all those types of things. I'm sure like uh, those machinations are all figured into this. And so do I think it probably would have been a good, um, you know, a move or, or a move that would help you maintain more flexibility if if you didn't sign that deal and if you got and you replenished your picks with him, I think that would have been a very good move. But at the twenty mark, um, I think that it's hard to knock the deal. That's that's my thoughts on it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yeah, I've gone I've gone back and forth a little bit. I thought I thought the deal made made most logical sense over the summer after the draft. It was interesting. Let me put it this way. I was pretty surprised by the timing. So you doing it right up and you know, a couple weeks, a week, I don't know, when it happened earlier this week. So you're like, you know, less than 14 days out from the draft. So, you know, the timing of like being up against the draft was surprising. You know, it, it feels like most of those deals are made over the summer after the draft has come and gone and you, you can sit down and negotiate. But to me, it felt like they were trying to open some immediate cap space. Now, whether they're opening that immediate cap space as they did, we put up an article at the OBR about how this thing breaks down year by year, did a great job with it. Um, it opens up some immediate cap space. Now, whether that's going to be for rollover money or that's going to, and again, what do you, what do, what do I mean by that? So they have 28 million, but they have all these guys in void years. You have to pay that money down the line at some point, rolling money over to pay for void years makes sense, right? It's like paying a, it's like paying a credit card bill. 
you have but to pay it eventually. Right. Yeah. But it, 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 the, what people don't understand about that sometimes is that it's like the opposite because you're not actually paying interest on it, paying, you know, say seven million uh, and specifically like moving, say, seven, eight million, ten million dollars out of this first year out of uh, 2020. So you take that ten million dollars calculated as a percentage of the cap and you pay that six years from now as a void year um, or, you know, over two of those. Um, the, uh, the amount of cap percentage that you have paid is actually gone down. So that's where the void years, even though you're always pushing this money down the road and people are like, well, you got to pay the piper. And, and yes, to a certain extent you do, but you, it's like an opposite. It's like a bizarro credit card where you actually pay less in terms of percentage of the cap space that you have had over that six years. It's like if your credit limit kept going up and you never paid interest. So like, Right. You you're like I've spent five percent of my credit card limit, and I have whatever a ten thousand dollar credit limit. I can push this off, pay it later, but I get actually my credit limit increases to fifteen thousand next year. You know, next two months from now or whatever. I don't know. Yep. I think that makes sense. So yep. yeah, I mean, you're not paying interest on it either, and it's a lo- it's a lowered percentage as the cap goes up. So listen, I don't know whether that flexibility is going to be tied into using that on rollover cap, or it's going to be used toward going out and signing a receiver, a defensive tackle, or creating room for Clowney or whatever other things are kind of in the pipeline there. That's what I feel like it's it's tied to some aggression there in terms of going getting people, but it could also be both at the same time. So the Alexander, timing is interesting. Did Alexander get paid? I've been a little out of touch. No, so I, no, he, he so did not. could have been trying to beat that as well, could affecting have the timing. I don't know. Could have been for sure. So that's the other part I was going to get to too. So yeah, those two elements are definitely there. If uh, Jair would have gotten a deal at the similar mark, then you got to beat that mark and then it could get complicated, touchy and dicey. And I thought they got it done at the right time. Hopefully the flexibility created is useful. And I like that they build in the two option years at the end to protect themselves if the player isn't performing up to standard. And then they also got to build, it was a lot of give and take in this contract where in the final year of the deal, the 2.5 million that's due as a roster bonus is due before like a month before free agency starts. So if the Browns were to make a decision to let him go, it would be obviously before that money's due. So they would give him a chance at what age 29, 30, 31 to hit free agency and get some other kind of deal. I don't know. I I think Denzel's going to play 25 years old this year. So that would tie him to like close to age 30, but anyway, it's a great deal. I think it's a great deal for everybody involved. I'm not sure how feasible the other options were. Maybe, maybe it was considered, you know, I'm sure it was talked about or discussed, but it would take two to tango and there's a lot of moving parts there. And I have absolutely loved our discourse on it, but I would wonder, would love to get some truth serum and ask them how seriously they ever really went down that road. Cause I think that's a fascinating, that would just give us GM insight. Like, Hey man, never going to know the public will never know, especially Denzel. But did you guys ever really kick the can on this discussion about like, you know, moving him yeah. and oh, creating yeah. some space. That'd be interesting to know if we could know it. But anyway, we digress. So the other thing, two more things I really want to get your opinion on. Um, the the offense changing. There seems to be a lot of people trying to put faux, faux pressure on Kevin Stefanski. And I'm not going to do this thing. Sometimes I do this, John, with, with either yourself or other people, where I try to ask a question that leads you in a direction. I'm just going to ask you, do you think Kevin Stefanski can alter his offense to fit this quarterback structure? which it's really cool too. I want you to touch on the fact that there's three black quarterbacks in Cleveland now, which I think is really unique and cool. I really, really like that. So, um, you know, for all the other 
surrounding elements. I do think that that element of the the evolution of the quarterback position is uh, is heading in the right direction. But again, to the core of the actual thought I need from you is, do you think Kevin can curtail what he does offensively to fit what Deshaun does well? So I, I would answer that two ways. One, uh, one is just like a simple yes. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that there's, there's just a lot of stink from the offense this last year that is lingering. And I think that there's, um, you know, people are just, it's recency bias. I just think that people, you know, forget, um, you know, and you get to watch the film. So, you know, what those plays were supposed to do last year. We don't need to rehash that, but all I'm going to say is on top of that, I'm not sure how much he, that, 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 that evolution really even needs to be, you know, even if you're going to, I feel like it, and he could even like on the surface level for people that, you know, especially, if, if you don't really get into the X's and O's, um, it could look a lot different without being a lot different in terms of the concepts. And yeah, uh, that's a good point, John. So I, I, yes, I think that he's going to handle it just fine. And I think that even if you see a bunch more shotgun or, you know, you, you see some, some different things, I, I think the con- conceptually, no matter, you know, despite what people think, I just don't think it needs to be that much different, you know, different things need to be emphasized, but I think a lot of the core concepts will stay the same. And, uh, yeah, I have confidence. Yeah. I think, I think I look at like, uh, recent examples of a, of a quarterback an, an OC or head coach getting linked up with the right quarterback talent and, you know, I, I think a good example of that is Matt LaFleur, right? Like, I think when he went oh, to sure. Green Bay, yeah. you had this unique, he comes from the same tree as Shanahan and all of that. And when LaFleur goes to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers had never played in this structure of offense. So there's this co- this core of the wide zone system with a quarterback who can do insanely unique things. And the give and take that happened as they started, like if you watch Green Bay, they do these things and it's unique to them because Aaron Rodgers gets the ball out of his hands into a receiver's hands at an ungodly amount of speed. It's insane. The flip, the definition of flick of a wrist and like they do these screens out of three by ones or sometimes two by two motion to three by one where they send receivers vertical and it looks every bit like vertical route concepts, but they're actually blocking and they have this thing timed up so perfectly where they run this now route, a flat route, and it's instant. Like the second he catches it, I don't know how they've had this timed up, John, over the years, but the second the receiver catches it or the back or the tight end, the blocking is like perfectly tied to it because obviously you can't block downfield in, unless the you know the football is either behind the line of scrimmage or if if this if the catch of the ball is simultaneous or it, the blocking happens after. And that like that's a thing in Green Bay that they had done forever, and he had tied in that. He tied in some other things. They did more RPO stuff for Green Bay this year. I kind of follow a couple people on Twitter who do a good job breaking down Packer stuff, so I catch it every now and again. To me, Stefanski has had Mayfield and Cousins, and they're pretty similar quarterbacks. They're, they're what you and I have talked about many times. They're recreators. You take a scheme, they can recreate it. Now you have someone who's a creator, an extender, what do you do to make him comfortable? You know, those are things like I'm going to try to write on that this summer and kind of a long breakdown over several different pieces. But that to me is 
it's just going to be fascinating to see how Kevin alters a what Deshaun has come from done in his past. Cause even I thought Bill O'Brien built a really good offensive structure around him. Bill O'Brien gets a lot of hatred because he was terrible as a GM, but as a coach, I thought he was fine. I thought he built a pretty good offense for Deshaun. So how he, how Kevin implements those things that are comfortable for Deshaun also keeping his core identity and knowing, Hey, we have Nick and we have Kareem and they're still really freaking good at what they do. So all of that, you know, like that to me is as somebody who breaks down tape is a fascinating subplot to, to, to like how a guy who's had these types of quarterbacks. Now you give him one of those quarterbacks. How does he alter his thing? How does he alter well, the plan? And that's what people have said a long time about, you know, um, Kyle Shanahan, right? That's what, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what they're trying with Trey Lance, right? That's they're right, trying to exactly. get that. So that's that, that was the concept when they, when they went up and traded all those picks for him. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I one, I just want to add one other thing is one of the most fascinating things for me coming into this season that I really, really want to see, and it, it is not going to be that easy to pick up, but um, I think with your help, we'll be able to, to, to zero on, on some clues, but I really want to know uh, how much freedom he ends up giving Watson at the line uh, mm-hmm. versus what we saw with Mayfield. Does he also, that's a good question. And does he also, I'll, I'll throw this to you and let you talk about too, but like Treader made all the line calls, all of them. And I know centers have to make some line calls and run game and different things. They identify the my, I want to know if that paradigm is moving either. Like if he's going to have more flexibility to your point, play call adjustments, opposite, opposite things like that. I didn't really notice Mayfield would make can calls and things like that, but he never really had the, the uh, ability to adjust it the like, Hey, we're running this three by one concept over here, but Oh, they have five in the box and it's a stack look and we can really, really, really tie our, our tight zone here. Let's run, let's run the ball like that one shift to the other. That would be fascinating to your point. I will be interested to see how much they give Nick Harris too. Cause I think people are underestimating how much treader did uh, on, on line calls, adjustments and on the fly stuff. Every time you, if you listen to I. I know I talked to you about this many times, Sean, but that, that COVID year was so great because you could hear everything, man. Everything yeah, yeah. on the field at the line of scrimmage you could hear. That's and Treader unique, was that's a once in a lifetime type thing. It, it is, man. And Treader was making so, so many calls. And so I, I will be interested to see how much trust they have in Nick or if they say, hey, we want Nick to focus on just being good. A young center, handle your duty. Can you take control of line calls, everything, except for maybe identify, like, can you identify the mic and Nick can make, some calls here and there. I just will be interested to see if that shifts and how well Nick handles the cerebral part that, that Treader was pretty good at. But potentially as well on that same line, they, they could potentially pass that down the line to Petonio at, for Nick Harris's first year. I, I have not seen that very often, but I have seen mm-hmm. it a couple of times and, you know, watching football, but that, that certainly is an option, you know, a third option there where they, um, they bring Harrison nice and light on this first year starting and, and let Petonio handle the calls. Yeah, I agree. That's a mini subplot that maybe like 0.01% of the fan base will care about, but we, we <laughs> right. will, we will, tr- we will try our best True. to talk about that when it gets here. Cause I think it'll be pretty obvious from right from the beginning. It'll be pretty sure. obvious. So yeah. Um, let's talk real quick. I want to kind of close with this and I'm going to try to ask because we're a week out from the draft here. I'm going to try to ask every single person I talk to over this week's time, like, who are your guys? I know that, you know, we've got up at the OBR today, the 308 players who fit the guardrails and so on and so forth. Like, I think we all have a pretty good idea who will be there at pick 44 and beyond. 
Um, so I'm not saying you can sit here and say, Hey man, Kayvon Thibodeau would be awesome. You know, I'm not saying you're going to say that, but generally with the range of 44 and beyond of the draft, plus or minus some guys before 44 that you think could be there. Are there like two or three guys that I don't care how old they are. I don't care. They're testing. I just think they're, they're just bad MFers and I want them on my team. Are there any guys? I know you probably haven't had a ton of time with travel jobs, all that to look at this class like you'd hoped, but I didn't know if there's anybody that stood out to you as you've paid attention to this from afar. Yeah. You know, I definitely less plugged in than I have been just with the kids and the job and everything. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking about this and I don't want to sky Moore has been like, you know, a guy that I've been very interested in. Um, I, well, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. I feel like that there's a possibility that you could see a guy like Burks drop into a range where they could move around possibly, but there's always guys. There's always guys that, that should never be around that are there and you can't believe it if they're top of the second round. And I wonder if Burks couldn't be that guy uh, this year and, you know, moving around doesn't necessarily always mean you have to give up a, you know, you know, you have to two for one yourself on the picks. Even when we did JOK, they didn't give up a pick. They got a lower one and they went one for one on the picks and did really well on that trade moving mm-hmm. up for JOK. Um, I think I, I really, <laughs> and I'm like this too, when you, uh, when you, when I'm really into the draft, I really know my stuff, which this, this year really isn't it. So I don't want to like pretend or that um, I know as much as I normally do on this. However, um, you know, I think that Burks is a guy that I really did not like the idea of in the, uh, when we had our first round pick, I did not like it. That was before his athletic testing, which, you know, it it was, I think it's a little bit more maligned than, than it needs to be, but Mm -hmm. it's a very different you. And you can ask this to me about uh, any player in the draft. I will hate him at this spot. And uh, if if he drops to a certain spot, I will like him quite a bit more. And so I guess Burks would be a guy who, I could I could see a scenario where he's there at the top of the second, and uh, you know if he just there's usually that group of like ten players that you can't believe are there, and so you can run into that luck where he gets past those first five six picks, and then and then it's certainly possible that um, that you could swing up and grab a guy like that. So um, you know who he compares to, John? And I saw this today. A lot of his profile uh, and, and people people were talking about. Um, it just sort of how he plays. He's very raw. He he doesn't, in my opinion, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing as a wide receiver yet. That's why, that's why in my opinion, he's more of a weapon than yes. a wide receiver. Agreed. And he's, he's, he didn't test as well, which is another thing. Like you wanted a guy like that to test out of this world so that you could debunk some of the, the concerns with, Hey man, he's a freak athlete. He'll figure it out. I still think he tested better than people are giving him credit for, but there's both sides of it. There's like this idea that, He's super duper raw, which I kind of agree with, and that he didn't test as well. But then there's stats like Pro Football Focus put out today that of power five receivers with 100 plus receptions since 2019, number one is Devontae Smith with 8.1 yak yards per reception. So this is yak per reception, all screens removed. So no bubbles, tunnels, all those cheap, cheap yak yards. Devontae Smith, number one. Number two, surprisingly, still hasn't found his footing in the NFL. Two, two, Atwell. Three. Mm-hmm. The guy we'll talk about next year, Jackson Smith and Jigba at 6.7. Four is Justin Jefferson. Six, Rashad Bateman. Five is Traylon Burke. So he can do things 
if you get him the rock. It's just how you're going to, how's he going to do it? And I saw a comparison to LaVisca Chenault and I thought, mm. hmm, yep. that makes a lot of sense. And where did LaVisca Chenault go? Round two, pick 42 in the 20 draft. So I think we could be looking at a world where people say the fifth receiver is, is Burks and other people are like, hey man, I actually prefer Jahan Dotson. I actually prefer Sky Moore. I actually prefer George Pickens, even with the injury history to that guy. So yeah, I think... He, I think it's quite realistic. He he's there when it gets to pick 40 ish. I think it's realistic. I do too. You know, what's wild too is I'm pretty sure like I could be wrong and I'll, I'll go look this up and I'll do a Mia couple on the, when you, when you tweet out the thread, if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure somebody put up a comparison where he was wildly close in athletic profile to Josh Gordon. Could be, could be. I'm not sure it what Josh me. ran. Yeah. It shocked me. When and I thought no, and then somebody plugged up the the RAS and I you know I don't know I I could be misremembering that but uh, again that'd be yeah. some uh, I'll throw up a link. Gordon, on Gordon that. ran a four five two forty. Uh, I'm <laughs> telling you the play. whole he thing play the whole the whole athletic profile is uh, and that's what people say about Burks. You know what I mean? Like people were shocked. Like it, some of, they thought he'd test a lot better, but that whole athletic profile is like really really close. Yeah, also another person put up a close one with Josh Gordon and Inkale Harry. Um, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit of both ways. Yeah, <laughs> we'll throw it on you. But I thought I think Harry plays a different style of game. He was for sure, a super for contested sure. catch guy at, yes. at Arizona State. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, that I could see teams being afraid of Burks. I could also see teams talking about, hey, man, you're, 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 you're freaking yourself out for no reason, you know? So I see both sides of it. It's that that fifth, fifth receiver, I feel pretty confident the first four go in the order most people have them in. Um, but the fifth receiver is interesting to me how pe- teams are going to covet that five through eight and where that leaves Cleveland at 44 or potentially moving up. Is there anybody else you got your eye on? No, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to overstep and start talking and uh, say something stupid. So there's a couple <laughs> guys I like, but uh, I'd rather not make a fool of myself. I dig it. Smart man. <laughs> Lee said is the best said as the uh, famous quote goes, right? John, it's good to have you back, bro. Good to talk, man. Always appreciate Absolutely, you taking yeah. some time. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, that's a wrap today, guys. Thanks to John. Always love talking to him as often as we can uh, if we when we get some time. So uh, appreciate his time, the banter, and all of that. And we'll have John on as many times as John wants to come on the show. He's, um, you know, obviously he's here. So it's a good dynamic. Love talking with him. Anyway, let's close with our usual, make sure you check out the OBR in the seven days coming up to the draft. we got some great weekend content. Got to look at some running backs in the late rounds of this draft. The Browns have talked to a lot of running backs. We have a look at those tomorrow. Um, data-driven profiles on a lot of those guys that you should know going into the draft and much, much more. We'll continue our 20 prospects in 20 days throughout the weekend and in the next week. I'll have a couple pods here over the weekend, so check those out. And it's going to be all draft all the time going into the weekend i'm going to take today off on the mock draft experiment but i will be back tomorrow and i will have a a little mock draft for you as i try to do some speed mocks up until the draft so you know and then once the draft closes i always have a ton of stuff on the players and local beat writers that covered these guys i like to give their perspectives on on the guys they covered too you know being close to those guys and all that stuff so anyway thanks to john thanks to you for listening have a great friday thanks for hanging out with us appreciate you and we close with go browns (laughs) 